0: Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series that we're doing called Do You Want to Get Well? Do You Want to Get Well? And this series is uh, based on um, John chapter 5 encounter that Jesus has with a man at the pool of Bethesda. Um, The man has been in a bad way for a long time there at a place of healing. He hasn't been healed. Um, He's sort of gotten very familiar with his life, as bad as it is. He's, He's kind of become invisible. He has no friends, apparently. And yet Jesus sees him there as he's walking along, goes and has a conversation with him, and extends the kingdom of God to him. And this amazing, wonderful question, do you want to get well? You would think it would be a simple reason, of course I want to get well. But there's there's layers to the question. It's a deeper question than that. And and, uh, what Jesus is in effect asking is, do you really want to get well? Are you willing to make some changes in your life? Will you break away from the familiar um, if it's not good for you? Will you trust God more? Will you have faith? Are you willing to get up and pick up your mat and walk after all these years? Um, It's just a loaded, loaded question. And I've said to you in our study that uh, I often think that this question um, is is sort of where the battle in our lives lie, the real spiritual battle. Are we going to do it God's way or are we going to do it our way? Um, And when we go our way, by default, we're heading in the direction of our adversary because he wins by default. And so this is sort of the setup for our lives. Will we go and follow God or do we want to kind of push through and keep trying to do it our way and settle for a counterfeit life or do we want to have full and abundant life? And Jesus came, we talked about this in John 10. Ten, that we might have full and abundant life, a now and forever life. The enemy, in that same verse, we find out our enemy, he wants to steal that from us. That's what he's up to. That's all he's got left. He's been defeated at the cross. Um, Jesus is coming back to set everything right. We're in an in-between time until that happens. What the enemy has left is this ability um, to try and trick us, to, um, to deceive us, to try and rob from us what is ours in Christ, because uh, that's what he's got left. That's his last sort of stand that he's making until Jesus comes back. And unfortunately, he's very good at it. And, and uh, what I keep presenting to you is that um, it's very possible, if you would think about things, that, that he has been tricking you for some period of time uh, away from experiencing the life that God has for you. And he's subtle. And I said he's done it with, um, you know, we've looked at how we've, um, we often don't spend time in the Bible, and yet our culture is consumed with fear. We don't spend time in prayer the way we should. Our culture is consumed with worry. We don't spend time in worship because we're busy and distracted with other things, and we, we looked for weeks at that whole process. Last week, I introduced to you the, the idea that um, the, uh, the, that God has this incredible love for us but the enemy tries to keep us from, from experiencing that love in life by uh, trapping us in our guilt and shame uh, and in our brokenness. And, and so we said last week that we needed to trust in the love of God, in His faithfulness, in His righteousness, and, and we confess our sins to him so that we can be forgiven. That's what we talked about last week. And I said that what confession means is, in effect, it's, all you know, God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it again. That's not confession. Confession is, God, you were right. I was wrong. That's how we learn and grow and move forward. And that he forgives us and he loves us and he gives us a new start and, a, and all these wonderful things that happen. So I want to talk more about this subject, but I want to introduce to you another dynamic in it, um, in dealing with guilt and shame, because it's it's one of those powerful weapons of the evil one, if, see, I I think by exposing what he's fighting with, you have a much better chance of, of standing in the truth, so, you know, we're exposing that he uses fear, that he uses worry, that he uses distraction, he uses guilt, he uses shame. These are the tricks that the enemy keeps up his sleeve that he rolls out all the time. And if you get honest with yourself and look at your lives, you can see how those things are hitting you all the time. It's a constant bombardment of, of these areas in our life. We're afraid of things. We're worried about things which are different. We're, we're distracted, so busy running around trying to make it all work that we, we lose sight of everything that matters. And now the, he puts these other components in there wherever he can. Guilt and shame. If I can make you, if he can make you feel guilty and if he can make you feel ashamed, then we stay away from, we feel like we can't get near God and, and it starts to impact our very life. So I want to talk about today in, in thinking about guilt and shame, the importance of having some people in our lives that we can be completely honest with. And we're going to take some time to talk about that today. But before we do, you know, I like to change things a little bit and, and, uh, from moving from the intro into the sermon. And uh, so I usually try and find some bad jokes. And we were flying home yesterday, and the plane was late, and I was, I was talking to my wife. I said, I don't really have anything for tomorrow. And uh, I started getting silly, and, and, and I, I said, I think I'll go with the, what do you call an alligator um, that's, that's um, in a vest and, and she goes, what? And I said, an investigator. And she said, that's too stupid. You can't. You can't. So I said, well, I said, okay. Well, what do you what do you call a, a, a bird? Um, why did the bird go to see the doctor? She goes, why? And I said, for treatment. And that was so stupid. She started to laugh. But I didn't keep that. So so I'm not going to do those. So what I got are. I'm just telling you what happened some puns, because I like puns, you know, and we, we did a few things uh, a few weeks ago about the English language, so just a few quick ones, and, and uh, um, you know, like jokes, jokes about German sausage are the worst, no, I know this guy that's addicted to brake fluid, but he says he can stop at any time, yeah? I'm reading a book about anti-gravity, I can't put it down, Wow, I thought that was better than that. I only got two left. You say amen. (laughs) Police were called to a daycare where a three-year-old was resisting arrest. All right, another police joke. Last one. All the toilets in New York's police stations have been stolen. Police have nothing to go on. Uh, Now that was my big closer. I thought that was, police have nothing to go on? Nothing? Wow. (laughs) You can't tell on the video, but they're roaring here. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians. Our scripture reading is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we're by nature objects of wrath, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. in advance for us to do. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, we're all broken. We've all messed up. We, we make bad choices. We talked about this last week. We have to know that we have a God who forgives us, so we'll go run into him uh, when we do mess up. But there's another aspect that I want to bring into this, uh, this idea um, today. So the first point is this, that we need to bring our brokenness into the light we need to bring our brokenness into the light james 5 16 says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective see here's the deal we talked about this last week if you want to be forgiven you confess it to god that's absolutely a how it works you confess it to god but if this is an area that you really want to get on with in life and get over and get some healing in, then, then often, if not always, we, we need to tell somebody else. And people get really stuck there. But see, the reality is that you're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. And everything that we try and hide in the darkness is fair game for the enemy to use against us. But once our mess is in the light, even though it might be embarrassing for us, the power it had over us is gone. See, the thief, the evil one, he doesn't want you to experience the full and abundant life that Jesus came to give us. He wants to steal it away and keep us from the life that we have in Christ. And so one of the things that he wants to do is keep you focused on the old and dead way that we've sort of been living in. And he wants to keep your mess in the darkness where he can use it against you. That's part of his plan. He wants to keep it stuck there in the darkness. And yet we have this guilt and shame that gets all over us. And we, you know, we start thinking, you know, we're the only ones that struggle with this issue. And, and, and these, this thing will just keep laying there and, and sort of hammering on us. And yet God wants you to be free from it. And so when you go to God with it and you ask for forgiveness, you're forgiven. What that verse in James talks about is there's something so powerful in being able to to get that, whatever that horrible thing that's, that you're ashamed of and, and, that all, and get it up into the light. Now, I don't mean when I say that, that you need to tell everybody that stuff. It's not healthy and it's not good for you and you don't know what people would do with that information and none of that's good. So, that's, don't hear me saying that, that I'm expecting you to stand up and announce, you know, this is... Uh, um, I'm not. That would be wrong. What I'm saying is that everybody needs to have at least one person and hopefully two or three people that you're close enough with that you can talk about whatever's going on and, and that you can bring whatever that, that those areas that feel so broken that you don't want anybody to know that you can bring that stuff up. Uh, to them, and that you know when you do that, they're going to pray for you. They're not going to be shocked by what you have to say, um, and and they're certainly not going to tell anybody else that you don't want to know. So they have to be safe people. But but there's something so powerful in getting that deep dark stuff up into the light, because what happens is once it's in the light, the enemy can't use it anymore. He just can't use it. And so, this is a part of the reason why why it's it's so important for us to be developing relationships all the time that are safe and, and meaningful and have some depth in the Lord. And that we have some people in our lives who, who we absolutely can trust with some of this, this mess so that it can't continue to be used against us. So, so let me encourage you this way. If you, um, if you don't have some people like that in your life, you need to cultivate them into your life. Some people will say to me, well, how do you get to meet some of these people that I'm talking about? The only thing I can really suggest is to be one of those people that's safe, that doesn't gossip, they won't use stuff, that if somebody tells you something, you don't go <gasps> because you, you want to avoid that when someone tells you something really deep and dark, okay? Let me just put that right up front. If someone tells you something, please don't let your first reaction be go <gasps> Because that, that would make it worse, all right? You just take it in, you know everybody's broken and you get moving in the situation but you need to have someone that that you can start moving through some of this stuff with and so let me encourage you to to um, begin to look for those people in your life but but you know make sure they're safe first that's 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 very reasonable okay you 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 again you know we don't want it to what steps we're taking to get healed to be used against us somehow so um, what the enemy does by trying to keep us so ashamed of the mess in our lives. And, you know, when, when we have that stuff, we have thoughts like, I'm sure I'm the only Christian that's ever done this. Nobody else ever struggles with these things. You know, this is just, uh, you know, it's so bad. And, and it, it really just gets people stuck. Um, and, and the evil one uses that to keep you from seeing yourself in Christ as a new creation. See, that's what, where he's fighting. He wants you to focus on your mess, on your brokenness. That, that whenever you start to feel life and good and, and, and moving in some areas, all of a sudden that nagging thing will get you, and he tries to yank you right back from it. Yeah, well, these are good, but, you know, there's always that thing back there. He, he wants to keep uh, and to take away life from you by keeping you focused and stuck in guilt and shame. Um, and, and, and to get you stuck... In your mess and in your past. Now, last week I did this on purpose. I talked about how much God loves us last week. And in the verses in our scripture reading today, that He loves us that much, why we're a mess. Um, We didn't get cleaned up and then He loved us. We didn't get all better and then He loved us. He loved us in our mess. And, And I said to you, look, you need to know and see yourself as His treasure and as His pearl. He looks at us, He sees us in Christ. And he sees the beauty of our potential. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. Now what the enemy doesn't want you to know is grace. um, Because he he doesn't want you to experience life. And, And I talk to a lot of people that get stuck in guilt and shame And and they get stuck in their past and they get stuck in their stuck in their anger, they get stuck in their hurt, and their perspective on life continues to be passed through a series of old dead filters from that old dead way of living. And and the thing is that people that are stuck in all those places, and particularly when they're stuck in yesterday, stuck in all the bad things they've done and all the bad things that have happened to them, don't really get a chance to experience life and yet the reality is you can't change yesterday you just can't change yesterday Uh, I I can look back on my life and and I could start writing a list of all the things that I wish I hadn't done and and um, it would probably take me forever to finish the list because there's just there's a multitude of things I wish I hadn't done but that that doesn't help me any Um, the only thing that, that yesterday can help me with, the mistakes that I made can help me with, is maybe, hopefully they teach me a little bit about how to do things differently today, but, but I can't go rehearse them better, I can't figure out what I would do differently now, uh, you know, other than helping me forward, but in the back, I can't go and daydream about what would be different, or what would be changed if I didn't do that, or, or any of those things, I can't, I can't find life there but if you get stuck trying to do that you're not living listen the apostle paul says this in philippians 3:12 through 14 and you got to know the apostle paul um was a was a broken mess coming into this thing god used him mightily but paul had some you know um, some stuff that weighed on him in his, uh, because before he came to New Christ he was he was persecuting, actively hunting down the church from house to house, dragging him out, having him arrested. Um, some of them were, were killed, they were beaten, he was there at the stoning of Stephen, who was a, by all accounts a fascinating guy i 've just reading acts seven today, and, and there you got Paul Saul, um, just you know right on top of that whole mess, standing right there. Paul's got all this stuff on him as he moves into the ministry and, and other things that, you know, we're uh, kind of. But he, he says in Philippians three twelve through 14, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is this, I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to live in what's behind. I'm going to press on to what God has called me to in Christ. My perspective is not behind, my perspective for life is in Christ. Second point, in Christ, I'm made new. In Christ, I'm made new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. In Christ, the new has come. Well, you say, well, I don't feel like the new has come. The new has come in Christ. Are you perfect yet? No. Do you still mess up? Absolutely. What do you do when you mess up? Turn, run back to God, tell him you're sorry. Knowing that he loves you, that he sees your potential. Do you take that for granted? Absolutely not. Do you wanna just keep doing the mess? No. What do you wanna do? You wanna live for him. But we're still dealing with issues. We're still broken and yet we we need to understand that that everybody's broken and that we don't need to get stuck in guilt and shame, that no one has arrived yet. Even the Apostle Paul, when he wrote that, 30 years of Christian, said, not that I've already obtained all this. There's a guy who had planted churches all over the known world at that point, had been used by God mightily for all sets of things. I love that. Don't you love that he, isn't it, freeing that he said that? Don't you think that's, to me, that's like the most amazing thing. Paul says, I haven't got it all figured out yet. Paul, you've been doing it a long time. I have. God's used you mightily. He has. I've still got some issues. I'm still a mess, and I'm not afraid. I don't have to hide them. I'm so glad Paul didn't stand up there and say, I'm perfect now. I got it all figured out. Paul had some people that he talked to including us so i haven't got it all figured out yet but i'm going to keep my eyes on him cuz i'm new in christ jesus is in the new business revelation 21:5 he who was seated on the throne said i am making everything new everything's one of my favorite words you know what everything means all everything It's good stuff. I'm making everything new. And he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Write it down. This is such, you need to know this. I'm making everything new, including you. He sees us in Christ. I love that. I love that. New mercies new days, new starts, new life, new today, new day. I wake up and I get, you know, you've heard me say it again, a cosmic do-over every day. I get them throughout the day. I love the fact that God's in the new business. He's making everything new, including me. And he already sees me in Christ as a new creation. Still a mess, but I'm, I, 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 Again, I don't take it for granted, I don't don't want to be a mess, but when I'm a mess I don't need to hide it, I need some people that I, I can get it confessed to God, and then if it's a constant, see to me it's one of these things where if I'm stuck, just see the guy at the pool, I love this guy at the pool, he was stuck, nothing was changing. So when I find myself stuck in something that seems to keep coming up over and over again, that I find myself going to God saying, whew, I messed up again. If I find that it's the same thing, oftentimes it means, you know, I need to get this more in the light. I know I'm forgiven. I'm new. I know He sees me. God loves me. I'm so thankful for that. But I don't want to get stuck here. I want to keep pressing on. I don't, I don't want to miss anything that this life has for me. I don't want to get stuck and miss the fullness of life that I could have now. And so I start to realize, well, there's an issue that keeps popping up. It keeps coming back well then, I, I probably need then to trust my friends enough to start talking about it. and Say, hey, this thing keeps, I'm stuck here. Could you pray for me? And there's just something about even that that pops it into the light that begins to take the, takes the power out of it. I, see, this is what we have in Christ, I'm forgiven in Him, I'm acceptable in Him because in Christ I'm a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come I step out of the death and the darkness of the enemy and I find out third point that life is found in the light of Jesus life is found in the light of Jesus, not in the death and darkness of the evil one where He'd like to keep me, it's in the light John 1, 4 and 5, in Him there was life and that life was the light of all people The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. The darkness is not overpowered. It means the darkness of the enemy never has and never will overcome God's light. Jesus Christ is the creator of life, and his life brings light into humanity. And it's in that light, his marvelous light, that we can see ourselves as we really are. Broken people in desperate need of a savior, but loved with the amazing love of God that sees us in Christ, sees the beauty of our potential, sees us as a treasure and as a pearl. And in response to this love, we find that part of our purpose in this full and abundant now and forever life in him is that we're called to be a people who illuminated by the light of Jesus Recognize. And embrace our own brokenness. And then get healed enough in Jesus. That we can help other people. Recognize. And embrace their own brokenness. And be healed enough in Jesus. That they can help other broken people. Recognize and embrace their brokenness. And get healed enough in Jesus. And on and on it goes. See, here's the thing. When we respond to this question I'm having you look at, do you want to get well? And when we say yes, see, then what happens is is we can go from there. Understanding his grace, his mercy, his love. Understanding the, the tricks that the evil one would use. and and engaging fully in this battle of do you want to get well and that as we do um, and we experience what he's doing in us in the process then we can go to other people and in and for Jesus extend to them the gospel of the kingdom with the same question do you want to get well? do you? I, I can get you pointed in the right direction Jesus wants you to have full and abundant life he loves you I know you're a mess I'm a mess too But there's hope. There's grace. And Jesus is in the new business. And he'll make you new. I love that about Jesus. I I don't know how else to tell you how desperately I need to be new all the time. But I am. And that's how he sees me. And there's something so amazing in that. So powerful in that. And that's where he gives us life. So, you know, let me encourage you again to... Don't get trapped. We're all a mess. But but Jesus sees us. Sees us with this amazing love. When God looks at us, like I said, we're we're the treasure and the pearl of Jesus. When God sees us, he sees us in Christ. And and he's given us grace. and, And he sees us as new. And what we need to do is not get stuck in the old, not get stuck in the past, not get stuck in the shame, not get stuck in the guilt. But use all of the the tools that God gives us to overcome these things. Confession to him. Saying, you're right, Lord, I was wrong. And and moving on. And then those areas where we really feel stuck. Just getting it into the light with some people that we can trust. Who will pray for us. The prayer of a righteous man is is effective. That's what that verse says. So we need our friends to pray for us. Help us along so we stop being stuck. And then, in that whole process, we realize that what he's doing with us, we extend to others in his name and as part of the life that we experience in him. Well, that's enough for today. If you're watching my video or on television, thank you so much for taking your time with us. We know how valuable your time is. I hope you can visit us sometime. If you're on Big Pine, come and see us. If you have a prayer request, go to our website, keysvineyard.com. Look for the prayer page. Send it to us and we'll pray for you. Or you can call us. We'll also pray for you that way.